Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear, and then we talk about it. This is page 490. Following her around the city with the hope of discovering this very thing. But I had. Then I'd eavesdropped on her too. So today I was practically sweating with guilt. I promise, I said. When her anxious look didn't evaporate, I said, don't you trust me? I'll swear it if that will set your mind at ease. What would you swear it on? She asked, beginning to smile again. What's important enough that it will hold you to your word? My name and my power, I said. You are many things, she said dryly, but you are not Taperlin the Great. My good right hand, I suggested. Only one hand, she asked, playfulness creeping back into her tone. She reached out and took both of my hands in her own, turning them over and making a show of inspecting them closely. I like the left one better, she decided. Swear by that one. My good left hand? I asked dubiously. Fine, she said, the right. You're such a traditionalist. I swear I won't attempt to uncover your patron, I said bitterly. I swear it on my name and my power. I swear it by my good left hand. I swear it by the ever-moving moon. Then appeared at me closely as if she wasn't sure I was mocking her. Fine, she said with a shrug, picking up her heart. Consider me reassured. We started walking again, moving through the western gates and into the countryside. The silence between us stretched, starting to grow uncomfortable. Worried things would grow awkward, I said the first thing that came to mind. So, are there any new men in your life? Denna chuckled low in her throat. <laughs> now you sound like Master Ash. He's always asking after them. He doesn't think any of my suitors are good enough for me. I couldn't agree more, but decided it wouldn't be prudent to say so. And what does he think of me? What? she asked, confused. Oh, he doesn't know about you, she said. Why would he? I tried to give a nonchalant shrug, but I couldn't have been very convincing as she burst out laughing. Poor Quoth, I'm teasing you. I only tell him about the ones that come prowling around, panting and sniffing like dogs. You're not like them. You've always been different. I've always prided myself on my lack of panting and sniffing. Denna turned her shoulder and let her swinging heart bump me playfully. You know what I mean. They come and go with little gain or loss. You are the gold behind the wind-blown dross. Master Ash might think he has a right. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. There's a lot on this page. It's a juicy one. A juicy, juicy, juicy one. Uh, Jordana, is there something you want to jump in on? Because uh, uh, I, I have I a suspicion. I think I'll start with... I've got some things, if that's cool. It's I want to cool. start with the things that Quoth swears on. Oh, yes. So... We've sort of established that it is likely that the left hand is the dominant hand, generally. I I don't know if we have. That's a theory I've seen floated around a few times, but this page, it seems like that's not the case because he's he's dubious when he's asked to swear by the left hand. Yeah. It seems like it's traditional to swear on one's right. So this this might be a case of people in the fandom, not just on this podcast, jumping to entirely harebrained conclusions based on spurious evidence and flights of fancy. Either way, he swears on a hand, so I call hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Jordana, what else does he swear by? Well, the ever-moving moon. Cough, Dana, cough. Uh-huh. And what else? Uh, his name and his power, so his name. Uh-huh. And so in the frame narrative, how many of these things does he have access to? I mean, theoretically, he has access to his hands. Do they seem to do him any good? They help him make cider and pie. Ah, uh, yes. The things that, that a 
that a a bumpkin from a shabby little town in the middle of nowhere might need, but certainly Excuse not. Excuse me, thing. sir. I can make neither cider nor pie, and I consider that a talent. Jordana, what your uncharacteristic obstinacy is preventing me from getting at is that Quoth has perhaps broken this oath, and that is why he has not neither his name nor his power nor his use of his hands. Yes, sorry. That was also where I was going, but I got distracted. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get for being obstinate. I know Quoth swears more oaths, and I wonder if, you know, if you're keeping a track, how many oaths that he swears have been broken by the time the frame narrative rolls around, and how many of the things he swears by he loses. You know, maybe there's more magic at work when you swear an oath like this. Yeah. I wonder why Denna likes his left hand better than his right. I think she's just being cute. I mean, Jeremy would say she's just being playful. Okay, I, I would and I did. <laughs> uh, but I also wonder if, because we know she's got the braids in her hair, if if like that's part somehow compelling him to keep this oath and then the fact that he breaks it is like partially due to that. Oh, maybe. Yeah, the braids are an X factor now. But there's actually is magic at play here because there's... There's the, the Yillish knots, potentially. Also, Denna peering at Quoth closely after he says, I swear it by the ever-moving moon. And then says she peer- Denna peered at me closely. Yeah. I don't think that she's peering at him for the, the reason that he thinks she's peering at him. I think she's peering at him because she's like, shit, did he figure me out or something? Or or like, did my spell work on him? I think it's more like, what do, do you know something? Like, do you know something about the moon? Because... Like I totally agree, Jordana. You're on a roll right now with your with your close reading. <laughs> Soon I can retire. Just leave it to me. I will because, inherit the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, I totally think like Quoth goes as if because that's the closest thing he can he can attest to the motivation behind this motion. But I totally think it's her going. Are you? Do you know something about the moon? Like I obviously know something about the moon. Do you know the same thing? Is this just like? Are you saying that just as a coincidence? Like, I totally think that's what it is, Jordana. I, you and I are Wonderful. completely in lockstep. Now we can, uh, I don't know, do you march when you're in lockstep? Whatever. We we can march oppose Jeremy. <laughs> Quoth is hurt that he hasn't, Denna hasn't told Master Ash about him. I kind of get the sense that Denna has done that to protect him, or at least like because he's special. Yes, precisely. She says as much on the page, basically, but... I almost wonder if it's to protect him. Like, I, I, I know Dan is no dummy, so I wonder if she knows that he's dangerous. Uh, I, and also, she also probably knows that it's dangerous of her to have a close relationship like this and like tell someone else about the patron. So it makes sense that she wouldn't tell him about Quoth. It becomes even more clear, I think, on the next page that that is what she's doing and that Quoth doesn't quite pick up on that, that she is like not telling Master Ash about him to protect him from Master Ash. And also because he is special to her. And also, also, there's a couplet of rhyming lines when Dennis talking oh, yes. about Quoth. They come and go with little gain or loss. You are the gold behind the windblown dross. And it feels like it sort of continues as she finishes that sentence. But of course, it's cut off at the end of the page. So this page, not on purposely, ended there. No, I have the same sense, Jordana, though. Like like the previous couplet, it sort of feels like it could continue and then uh, she she drops it or, or falls out of the flow state. Mm-hmm. But yes, I kind of wonder if like, because Denna right now is closer to music uh, because she's about to play this song and she's carrying an instrument, she's the one who is rhyming. Um, I don't know. That just 
it's an ingredient here in this scene that kind of resonates with me. I also think that uh, it's just like a nice character beat when Foth bitterly swears the oath when she like backs him into a corner and he has to swear this oath that he does not want to swear and has no real intention of of keeping. That's a very like teenage, like I remember being a teenage boy and being made to apologize for things that I was not sorry for and would cheerfully have done again. (laughs) We have a letter today. This is from Nicholas who writes on Mr. Mailbags, Mr. Mailbox's delicacies. Dear JJ (laughs) crew and Nick, as always, Thank you for your wonderful work. I am writing to you concerning Brayden's lesson that tack is all about playing a beautiful game. While Brayden says that it is most rewarding when setting obvious traps, etc., he clearly wins every single game against Quoth. If playing a beautiful game mattered first and foremost to him, he would not win every single game, in my mind. In the least, him sometimes not winning, even though he could be a far better way to teach Quoth about playing a beautiful game. As it is, Brayden's actual priority seems to be winning while also playing a beautiful game. In chess nerd's terms, I would be interested if playing a beautiful game for him would mean that he gets a worse or beautiful position and still try to win or getting a position that is better and also beautiful and go on to win. I think both can't be true at the same time. I don't know if that's an error or misunderstanding of Pat Rothfuss, Brayden, or me thinking like Quoth. It just doesn't make complete sense to me as it is as it is, because acting as if Brayden's primary motivation is to play a beautiful game seems hypocritical to me. By the way, I think you're right. Brayden speaking in rhymes, being super adept at tack like Florian, participating in pagan rituals in the forest, and tack being all about standing stones or greystones that are supposedly the way into the fae means Brayden himself must be fae, supernatural, or have some connections to the fae. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Signed, Nicholas. I think you're onto something. I think that it's a bit of the sinister ingredients that Brayden brings to the table, where even though he talks about it's more important to play a beautiful game, he still always wins. And I think that might be a bit of a thematic clue as to his actual character. And as you point out, Nicholas, his actual motivation, that even though this is his stated goal, his actual goal is still to win. Yeah, and, you know, maybe this speaks to his actual nature as being, like, far more ruthless than he appears. I think that is uh, a very possible and salient read. You know, if you uh, if you mainline a salient solution when you're hungover, it will cure your hangover. Did you learn that from a nurse? <laughs> I did hear an anecdote about a nurse who, who would uh, steal salient solution from the storage in order to uh, binge drink and then go back to work in the morning. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. Life hacks. Life hacks. Oh my god. Listeners, you can tune in for more life hacks on tomorrow's page. Uh, the Wait. Wait.